This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Real, honest to God history. Living it. Making it. Together. What's changed since Friday? Veritas. decide where are we going where are we where are we headed and if it's not somebody who has it in his dna and in his bones that it is the constitution it's not a man who makes america great it's the constitution it is the the restraint on a government that allows the people to be free to be able to create those things if we lose that in a time of trouble um we may never be able to reverse it. <laughs> I'm right here. Uh, thank, thank you for being Hi, thank you. Can you get her photo real quick? Where? Which camera? His Christian values, his religious liberties, and, his, and, and when, he, when he stands for religious liberties, he also stands for your right to not have choose a religion either. Yeah. So, um, but he... Um, with religious religious liberties, pro um, pro uh, pro life. Sorry, right. pro life. Um, he just speaks the truth. People have seen him say that he's going to do something and follow through with it. He um, defends the Constitution. Um, he knows the Constitution. He wants to bring back um, the. He wants to get the government back to the states and keep it out of. You know, he's not. He's against big government. Well, unfortunately, I've just brought you more of an anonymous stranger endorsing Ted Cruz than someone known and I suspect beloved by you uh, and me, Glenn Beck, endorsing Ted Cruz. And for the reasons why. Um, Not included in the audio you just heard was, to me, the most important thing that Glenn said. And he said, in 40 years of broadcasting, I can, for the first time, this is a verbatim quote. This is Glenn. I'm, I'm quoting it to you from heart, having heard it once. In 40 years of broadcasting, I can, for the first time, look into a man's eyes and know that his word 
is his bond. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you, well, I, B has just told me we have more, so I, uh, why don't we roll that? I didn't just come here just to endorse these principles, but for the first time in 40 years of broadcast, I have found a man that I know I can look into his eyes and his word is his bond. That's why today I have officially endorsed Ted Cruz. Why I've officially endorsed Ted Cruz to become the first Hispanic American president. To become the first, first generation American president. And in that, Glenn also said, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the most conservative, the man who will be the most conservative president of the United States. I wish to underscore, emphasize those words. Glenn said, I give you the man who will be the most conservative. We've talked a lot about that, haven't we, over the last couple of years and weeks conservatism as a standard, not not in a preachy way, just in an observant way. Because most people who will caucus, historically that is their standard. Are you a conservative? Thus spake Glenn, I give you the man who will be the most, what? The most conservative president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, since Ronald Reagan, and the next president of the United States, Ted Cruz. And it is no small thing, as uh, B just played for you, it's no small thing, the personal investment in this. When Glenn says, for the first time in 40 years of broadcasting, I can look into him, I found a man whose eyes I can look into and know that his word is his bond. Now, I am, as a Ted Cruz supporter of longstanding, as a Glenn Beck supporter of longstanding, I can say to you today I'm awfully happy to be able to play that sound for you. As your servant, as your personal political strategist and analyst, however... I now must depart the realm of what pleases me and do what you pay me to do, which is to tell you what it means or what I think it means. Again, a lovely moment for Cruz supporters, an important moment, no matter who you support, when Glenn Beck goes to Iowa and says that, a fateful moment a wildly influential moment for some. Absolutely. For many. Absolutely. But as we are, as you know, locked in a brutal blood sport of numbers, the question becomes not how people were moved by what Glenn said. And I'm sure they were. I was. 
But the question is, how many people were moved? And it's a lousy question in a way to have to ask, isn't it? But it is the question of politics. And the new Fox poll taken within the last few days, which is a uh, as reliable a poll, uh, a public poll out there as you're going to find, says that, well, there are two things it says. It says that in the last week, Donald Trump has continued to rise. This is just in Iowa now. In Iowa, Donald Trump has continued to rise and that Ted Cruz has dropped four points. This Fox poll, uh, unless I'm mistaken, who knows, there's a first time for everything. Unless I'm mistaken, this will not not have been taken to reflect Glenn Beck's endorsement and commentary of and about Ted Cruz which, among people who are going to caucus, I think will be full of impact and have deep influence. So there, there is that to consider. But prior to the Glenn Beck endorsement, Trump had gone up, Cruz had dropped, and the result, just as Glenn was speaking his words pretty much in virtual time, is that Trump leads Cruz by 11 points in Iowa. By 11 points. That's a, that's a lot. And Trump leads Cruz in every one of the what I would call reliable polls that have been taken and released within the last several days. Now, there is a, there is a but. No, we haven't got to the Hillary Clinton stage of the conversation yet. I know you're wondering. Uh, there is a but. And uh, it, it might shed some more encouraging light if you happen to be a Cruz fan. And it's straight ahead. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 This is it. This is your show. This is your forum. And TikTok, baby, this is about five working days. Well, for the politicians and for insiders like us, all of them will be working days between now and the Iowa caucuses. But, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is what it is. And it's, you know... Four working weekdays at this point until the Iowa caucuses. What do you do? Where do you go? And having been on the inside, here's a tip. Here's one of the things you look for. When do the campaigns stop worrying about Iowa and get on a plane for New Hampshire? This is one of the 
age-oldest debates among tacticians, uh, fans of the game, the candidates, their families, hangers-on, editorial writers, everyone in the world. Pretend for a moment, and I hereby confer upon you, for the purposes of argument, the status of uh, strategist for the X campaign. You may fill in the X. Uh, You may be, we could call you the campaign strategist for several campaigns. You could pick several. You could pick one. But the the real point is not who here, it's what. And the point is, the, the what is, at what point do you get on a plane and leave Iowa? And you have no idea how fiercely debated this is. They get in a room, and I've, Many is the time I've been in that room. They lock themselves in that room until the place is, you've been in there for a day and a half, and it smells like sweaty men, mostly, and old pizza and stale coffee, and they argue about what they think is, what they think might be, what they think can be, and therefore what they ought to do. And the average argument on each side is, look, today's Friday, meaning the end of this week. And it could be any day. It could be today. It could be yesterday. It could be tomorrow. But let's say it's this Friday. And you look at your candidate and you say, it's Friday. We know there are late breakers. But we have to start worrying about New Hampshire. The difference you can make by being here for the next 72 hours is nothing compared to the difference in momentum, the game-changing, story-changing difference we can make if we get you to Manchester, New Hampshire in time for tonight's rally, you know, at the, at the college You have to start thinking forward now. Everyone's going to be out of here. Everyone's going to pull up roots. And that happens, too, of course, don't forget. All the spotlights, all the cameras, all the microphones, all the attention, all the Iowa is above everything else in existence, stops like that, like Cinderella, like the clock strikes midnight. And daddy-o, everyone is one long-gone cat. And so the idea there, like surfing, is not to drop in after the wave has crested. You've got to drop in before the wave has turned. And these guys are sitting, mostly, are sitting in rooms and arguing which day to blow town. Now, the other side of the argument is there's there are an equal number of people in the room arguing the obvious. We're... We're not ahead. Don't listen to Pete. Pete thinks that you've peaked, that you can't do anything to scratch another two points out of this. But in 72 hours, you let my field operations work, and I'll get you another two points in this race. And that could be the difference between third place and first. It could be the difference between being president of the United States ultimately and not. Now, 
Now, the first argument sounded pretty good, didn't it? Now, this one, if you're the candidate, this one's starting to sound pretty good. I'm going to make it better. Also, if we pull out now, we can save $4 million on radio and TV spots because you have peaked. And then Pete's going to stand up and say, do you know what the press is going to say and how voters are going to react when the video splashing across everyone's television set tonight is our candidate blowing town? You know what message that sends? At the very best, it sounds it, 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 it sends a message of arrogance that we think we've got it won, so we don't need to speak to you anymore. We're going to leave town three or four days before the, the election before the caucus at worst and more likely it's going to send a signal of defeated desperation like well we're blowing town because there's no reason for us to stay we can't improve our position and we're not going to win now these are just i just cite this as one of the many uh fast endlessly fascinating endlessly frustrating internal fights that goes on Generally speaking, in a tight race, they won't blow town until caucus evening. They have the planes on the tarmac, warm, ready to leave. And if you're close, and if you think that your difference in being there for the live 6 o'clock news hit on caucus night for the local news all over the state, if you think that's going to turn out, an extra 8 to 15 people per uh, precinct across the state, then the guy arguing to you in your campaign that you ought to stay, those words are going to sound pretty sweet. And often, hanging on until the last minute becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy argument because you don't want to admit that cutting and running is wise even if it is. And I've known a hundred candidates who should have cut and run, who could have done just as well by leaving a day or two or three before caucuses and and done four points better in New Hampshire by, you know, get getting there instead. I mean again, there's no easy there's no there's no easy or single answer to any of this. As I say, it's 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 endlessly frustrating. Now, I, in light of which, uh, I want to mention, again, all of the so-called reliable, I call them that uh, because I happen to know them, the, the reliable polls show that, uh, that Trump is ahead and there's, you know, there's win, place, and show, right? They're going to be, it depends on how many tickets out of Iowa you think there are. The general belief is that there are three to four tickets. First, second, third, and fourth. You get like a, you get mentioned. Fourth is an honorable mention. If you're nobody in your fifth, maybe that could resuscitate your campaign. But again, it's the Iowa caucuses are derivative of politics, and politics are derivative of the oldest vaudeville joke in America. Good morning, Bill. How's your wife? Compared to who? Okay, so it all it all matters who comes in second, you know, coming in second for Trump 
is a lot different than coming in second if you're Christie, right? And we can go on with a number of permutations on that tune. So how long you're there, when you leave, where you finish. I did get an interesting tweet from Joyce, uh, a critical one, so far as I could tell. And she said to, uh, she seems to say to me that, um, you know, Cruz is losing and I don't want to admit it. So I wrote back to Joyce. And maybe you'll call Joyce, one 3393 Joyce seems to suggest she knows who's going to win. Hmm. If anyone believes they know right now who's going to win, place, and show, hang on for a moment. Got some interesting numbers for you. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. And partners on the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 call 1-888-900-3393, Another interesting tweet, um, and I'm sorry, so many are pouring in that I, I can't keep up with, wait, let me try one trick here to see if I can pick it out. Uh, come on now, hurry, hurry. Oh, good, Sandy. Sandy writes... Jay, do you think that Rick Perry's endorsement, which was announced today, will help Ted Cruz? Uh, I didn't know, by the way, that Rick Perry was endorsing Ted Cruz. And I didn't know that he was endorsing him today. So I just wanted you to know. I never pretend. Uh, I did not know. Do I think that Perry's endorsement will help Ted Cruz? Well, This is a free call for anybody because anybody with zero political experience or instinct could give you the following answer. It can't hurt. And again, just about anybody knowing anything realizes that everybody who ever ran or thought of running has a constituency among those who will caucus. And it may be a constituency of 200 people. Maybe it's 2,000 people. Maybe it's 20,000 people. Maybe it's two people. But it can't hurt. Rick Perry, Governor Perry of Texas, is not a uh, wildly controversial character. He didn't win, you know, when he tried. But so anybody could give the answer, Sandy, it can't hurt. But let me give you the answer you pay me to give you, the professional answer. Will Rick Perry's endorsement help Ted Cruz? Among those who will caucus, the answer is absolutely yes. And the reason that I can tell you absolutely yes is because that's why God made pollsters, good ones anyway. Unless it's a total no-brainer like, say, Glenn Beck's endorsement for Ted Cruz. You don't need to poll that one. 
but for almost anybody else, the Cruz campaign's internal polling has long ago and 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 since refreshed via its internal polling <clears throat> the personalities that they might get to endorse uh, Ted Cruz. Their internal polling has already told them whose endorsement will help and which one won't. And so I can tell you that absolutely Governor Perry's endorsement will help because if their internal polling was not telling them that it would help, they wouldn't do it. So, you know, at this stage of the campaign, that's why I bring up the thing about when do you leave town. Now we really get down to the inside stuff that having been having made your living. I mean, if we were if we were talking about baking, you know, you'd want a baker uh, in front of the microphone. We're talking about politics, so you want a politician, so to speak, on the end of the microphone. So that's another thing to consider. Virtually nothing is done unpolled unless, and that's, you could say that's a good or a bad thing. And I realize why people don't like the, you know, the creep out about it and they don't like it. But at this stage with this amount of money, one of the reasons you poll everything is because before you will get multi-millionaires and billionaires to give you money and sit on your board of directors and, and, and be on your national political action committee before they put their name and reputation and money behind you, they're going to insist on their lawyers are going to insist on certain things. And they're going to say, now what kind of campaign is this going to be? We want everything poll tested. We'll pay for it. It's okay. But we don't want anything to happen here that we don't know about. We don't want any surprises and we don't want someday to pick up the newspaper or turn on the television and see that a former porn star is endorsing, you know, our candidate. Uh, not because, by the way, we wouldn't accept the endorsement of the porn star if our polling showed it would help us. I'm not talking about the cruise campaign now. I'm just making a, a ha-ha. But you know what I mean? Everything is tested. Everything. Unless, of course, you are a pauper uh, candidacy. And in pauper candidacies, and there have been there have been recent pauper candidacies, you don't have the money and the backing to poll test everything. So you don't. And more often than not, you get hurt because of that. All right. I said I had some interesting numbers for you, and I was I was uh speaking to Joyce, but to all of us. Joyce seems to suggest, I don't know, I Joyce, forgive me if I'm wrong. I, I thought your insinuation was I was something of a dummy for not looking at the aforementioned polls and seeing that my guy can't win, that Ted Cruz is not going to win because Donald Trump is ahead in the polls. Well, I, I have an interesting story for all of us. Most of us, come on now, admit it, come on. Most of us think we know who's going to win in Iowa. And then as each state rolls over, we think we know who's going to win. Come on. Well, Trump is ahead in in almost all of the Iowa polls uh, as of uh, this moment. But 
those polls don't reflect a lot of things. I mean, I, I, I mean, like a Glenn Beck endorsement, like a lot of other things. But I, rather than get into particulars, I just want to tell this uh, parable. Consider today, today, four years ago, guy named Rick Santorum, a pro-life conservative, to whom nobody gave a breath of a chance. He was get get killed in the polls. He was in at best, I believe, sixth or seventh place. You know, out of the running. Nice guy, out of the running. That's where he was today, four years ago. On caucus day, an amazing but utterly Iowan thing happened. Old seventh place Santorum won the Iowa caucuses. Finished first. So, I ask again, who's going to win for sure? We just don't know. And one of the other things I will reiterate is that Iowa, I love Iowa, I love Iowans, I, God, I love this country and this process, and I wish I had to go caucus. I wish everyone had to go caucus, rather than run in, leave the car running, vote, and run out. I think caucus is one of the most all-American things I can think of. But in a caucus, uh, wicked, odd things happen. That's why it's Iowa. So I've just related one of a hundred stories that, that, that people know about people who were in 10th place and finished second, you know, and it revived their campaign. Or a guy who was in seventh place, finished first, and it momentarily... Uh, revived his campaign. Uh, But the real reason I mention it is that on the other hand, Iowa hasn't picked a winner in 20 years. For all the respect, all the awe, all the decency, all the wonder of the Iowa caucuses, and I think it deserves Iowa and the caucus system more than deserves all those adjectives. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's also a highly inaccurate thing. Iowans have not in 20 years picked the winner. Whoever won the Iowa caucuses has not gone on to win in 20 years. So it's a beautiful, beautiful, all-American thing. And it's also the quintessence of flipping a coin. Not always, but in the last 20 years, losing every coin flip you flipped in the last 20 years. So, you know, odd things do happen. So let's let's take a a look at this. So Santorum does this. Let me see. Nate Silver, who is the wonder child of the New York Times and uh, is being positioned, though no one... You do, but no one else would know what this means. He's being positioned as the next Doug Schoen. By the way, the one place Doug appears every week is on CNN at, I believe it's 7.30 Eastern. It's like some panel of experts they have, and they truly are. Like last night, they had on the three smartest political guys I know on the show last night. And I made some notes from it, and we're going to talk about it today, about their insights, their, their guesses. 
Nate Silver is, I don't know, 30 years old maybe. Uh, and he's supposed to be the next brilliant survey uh, wonder child. He has a running rating system. And his is like Las Vegas in a way. You get kind of odds like on sporting events. What 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 he is offering, among other things, is the percentages that someone will win. Now I'll repeat, as you hear the sound of my voice, Trump is ahead in virtually all of the polls in Iowa. Today, Nate Silver, who's like this young Einstein of survey work gives Donald Trump a 41% chance of winning in Iowa. He gives Ted Cruz a 48% chance. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Now, I think it would be fair of anyone to characterize the show so far today as being uh, tilted, not not slanted. I don't mean they're not perverted, but you know, I admit I'm for Cruz, and and in reporting to you why I think it isn't over in Iowa is what I would do no matter who, because that's what, you know, it's what we do here. I'm always going to go against the conventional wisdom. It's no show to come on and tell you, Hey, guess what? The polls have it as Jones and first Smith and second. So my show today is Jones is first and Smith is second. Any calls? I mean, we do dog bites man here, not man bites dog. At least we try as often as possible to mix it up. But if you like Donald Trump or another candidate and you're listening to this show and you are a partner in this show, I think it's fair for you to say, geez, Jay, is there anything else, you know, uh, good about Cruz? I haven't said anything bad about Trump. Is there anything else good about Cruz you can work into the show here? Uh, No. I've told you the good news. Now I'm going to tell you the sobering news. Um, this is from, what's this from? Fox News. With just a few days until the, I'm paraphrasing here, I'm, I'm scamming this, scamming it, skimming it. Until the uh, caucuses, Donald Trump has taken the lead in Iowa and maintains a big advantage in New Hampshire. Uh, Trump bests Cruz in Iowa, receiving 34 to Cruz's 23. That's an 11-point lead. Now, I've told you why polls have been wrong, but polls are often right. And you know where polls are far, far often righter than they are wrong? Is when they are looking at trends or asking about values. If I show you a poll that says Trump's ahead of Cruz by 11 points, those numbers can and will change in a few days. If within the internals of that poll, I ask you, are you pro-life or not? 
Do you think Planned Parenthood should be sucking the brains out of babies or not? That number is not going to go up or down wildly in the next few days, okay? Now, in the internals of a lot of this polling, as I have seen, don't forget, no matter the flap a few days ago, where you come down on it, where I come down on it, where ultimately voters come down on it, the single identifying feature of a caucus goer is someone who can characterizes themselves as conservative. It still matters. It may not be the be all and end all, but it still matters, right? All right, listen to this. Two things. Among caucus goers who identify as very conservative, a couple weeks ago, Cruz was up 18 points over Trump. Now they split this vote. Uh-oh. I mean, if you're for Cruz, uh-oh. If the people who are very conservative were up for you by 18 points, and now you're splitting that vote with Trump, that's a trend. Now listen to this one. There's been a similar shift among white evangelical Christians. A couple weeks ago, Cruz was up by 14 points over Trump. Now it's down to two points within the margin of error. Gulp. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Are things changing quickly in the Iowa caucus? Pardon me. Well, let's just say they've changed since the start of today's show. Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest. I am Jay Severin. We are partners. We are the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. And we are... <laughs> we're, we're getting... I, I hope you enjoy this. I, I mean, I'm getting my wish. And every time we go through an election, and you know, pre-election, an election post-election, which invariably leads more quickly than the previous one to prepping for the next election. Every time I go through this, I am so lucky, and I know I'm so lucky, to do this and to do this with you. Thank you for choosing the Blaze Radio Network and me, Jay Severin, one 3393 Carl Cameron on Fox. I happen to pop up the monitors and different things in a top-of-the-hour break. I have a few minutes. And uh, he made a very good point, which we have talked about, but it's been months. And that is, and someone made a point of this in a tweet earlier today, and I'm sorry that I cannot at the moment 
for the usual reasons, credit you, <clears throat> because that, that was a couple hundred tweets ago. But somebody said, oh, who was it? I'm going to look real quick. Uh, I'll just, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look while I'm doing this. Uh, someone said, I uh, you know, cause, cause it was, it was a she and she had a picture. There it is. Trisha, Trisha NC. Trisha says that, uh, according to what, what she's been reading, that a lot of the polls are assuming a turnout. Well, not a lot of them, all of them. Every poll must assume a turnout. I mean, the weakness of public opinion survey work, it has many strengths. It's got some weaknesses. One of its inherent weaknesses is they don't know how many people are going to caucus. They do know the name, age, address, dietary habits, bathroom habits, Pet names, uh, frequency of indigestion, and everything else you can imagine. Uh, Of every person who last caucused in Iowa and how many times they have caucused in Iowa, how frequently, and for whom. But you know, and, and a lot more, probably stuff that you and I don't want to know. But you know what they don't know? They don't know if that person is going to turn out in a few days. They don't know if that caucus goer, that previous caucus goer, is going to say, you know, my arthritis is hurting me and it's cold outside and I think Trump's got this thing won or I think whomever has this thing won, and I'm just not up for spending three hours. I'm not going to drive 40 minutes and, and, and stand in the wet, cold church basement for three hours while uh, my neighbor Beatrice prattles on about Ron Paul. I don't, I don't need it. I want to watch, uh, you know, uh, L.A. Vice CVU or something. I... I People have to turn out. And the one thing that polls don't know, and as as, uh, Tricia mentions, is that all polls have to begin with an X. And that X, they base on previous elections. But they essentially have to make it up. It's sort of creative making up. They have to assume how many people will vote. Caucus. How many people will caucus? And then within that, they have to assume how many women, how many men. Typically, women make up by two or three percentage points, a higher, as I recall, in Iowa, a higher percentage of caucus goers than men. And women uh, tend to be less conservative with their uh, caucusing than do men. So you've got a few points spread right there, depending on if you know how many women are going to turn out. And then, you know, how many Protestants, how many white evangelical Protestants so so self-identified are going to turn? You, you, you get my drift. It is all based. Trish is right. It's all based. And so far as she knows, uh, based on maybe overestimates of people turning out. I just want to say this about it. 
The more people that turn out, the better it is for Trump, I think. Because the more people that turn out, the more it divides the vote. And that means you need fewer votes, i.e. caucus supporters, to win. And we know that Trump's celebrity is going to translate in, like everywhere else, is going to translate into support for him. Now, it matters against whom he's directly competing. If you put a Trump voter up against a dyed-in-the-wool, lie-down-in-front-of-a-bus Rick Santorum voter, you know, I would, and Rick Santorum, by the way, is still alive and is still in this, the, the last Iowa winner is still alive and competing in this Iowa caucus. And the people that support Rick Santorum would lie down in front of a moving car for the guy. I would put my money, you know, that a thousand people who say they're for Trump and a thousand people who say they're for Rick Santorum. I'll bet you more of the Santorum people actually show up to caucus than of the Trump people. Which means, explains all of this. It's like why someone goes, it's why Iowa hasn't picked a winner in 20 years. It's why there is some darling or two for some reason every four years. And someone goes into this as the big smoochy, smoochy, kissy, kissy favorite. I'm not making fun of anybody here. I'm just saying there's a smoochy, smoochy, kissy, kissy favorite every four years. And generally speaking, every four years, they get their ass kicked. And, and, and the person that wins is the person who, for one reason or another, motivated their people to turn out. And I just, I don't know. But Tricia says, as far as she understands what she's reading, a lot of these models are based on a record turnout. And a lot of people believe that's not going to happen that there's not going to be a record turnout. A lot of other people say, and I dare say more argue, that it's more likely there'll be a record turnout, exactly because Trump is involved in this. Now, now again, there may be record interest, but does that mean there's going to be a record actual physical bodies turning out? I love this game. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Is the Jay Severin Show. And these are my partners on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm sorry we lost John from uh, Colorado. John, call back if you uh, wish to. 1 888 Yesterday, the Des Moines Register, the biggest paper in Iowa, one of the biggest in the Midwest, save Chicago, the Des Moines Register endorsed its candidates in the Iowa caucuses. They endorsed Marco Rubio and Hillary Clinton 
in their respective uh, tilts, saying, and I think this is so tremendously telling to people like you and me, they endorsed Rubio and Clinton, saying they are both, quote, the best hopes for their country. The best hopes for our future are they are the best hopes for anything that involves you and your family in any way, any way. Just give me anything, any way. No, the Des Moines Register endorsed Rubio and Clinton saying that they were both, quote, the best hopes for their political parties. Uh, the best hope for their parties? What do you and I give a flying shite about their political parties? You're endorsing Marco Rubio because he's the best hope for his party you're endorsing hillary clinton i don't care i would say this if they were endorsing my sister i you know but best hope for their party are you out of your mind how tin deaf can you be i mean what how big a political tin ear do you have to have in 2016 to be the des moines register in iowa and endorse two candidates because they're the best hopes for their country. Ah, us. Ah, something important. Ah, humanity. Ah, world peace. Ah, national defense. Ah, for their political parties. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. That really, that turns me on. How about you? For the record... The Des Moines Register endorsement is historically, historically, worth three points to the endorser. Sorry, endorsee. Which means that wherever Rubio is now, wherever Clinton is now, they ought to be within 48 hours or so, three points ahead of where they are now by virtue of this endorsement. That has been the traditional bump, the historical timeline, the on-the-record cause and effect of the Des Moines Register endorsement. Three points. I think I said earlier that I love Iowa and Iowans, and I do, but if someone still gets three points out of an endorsement, this Dopey, because their their best hopes for their for their parties. Oh wow! I can't wait to vote for that person. Can you wait till I tell my family? I can't wait to get out the door to go caucus for someone who represents the best hope of the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. Are you kidding me? Well. It's not the onion 
It's the Des Moines Register. And I just thought you'd want to know. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, there are reports, uh, substantial and national, that former New York City, you thought Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton were the only so communists in the race? No. There are other communists contemplating the race, as you know. We know Joe Biden is a communist, and we know he's contemplating the race. We know Michelle Obama is a communist. We do not know that she's contemplating the race, though every fiber of common sense in our bodies tell us that she is contemplating the race simply because she had she has a very good chance if she were to run who doesn't want to be could we have a show of hands please do we have that app don't we be could we could we snap that app on the receiving towers right now let's have a show of hands who doesn't want to be president of the united states if you thought you didn't have to do anything and it would be handed to you. I'm not seeing a lot of hands. And, and, you know, Michelle Obama could. She wouldn't have to do a thing. In fact, it would be bad if she did anything. Just like not doing a thing would be the best thing she could do. You know, all she has to do is what she's done uh, in her adult life. Nothing! And she would stand the best chance of helping a campaign which bore her name. But, okay, I realize that's probably a long shot. But uh, Hillary, I think that's kind of a long shot, too. I mean, I still believe that Hillary Clinton is going to be the next president of the United States. Eh. Sorry. I just said, because eh, I kind of like that. But I, 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 I must be annoying sounding. And I want you, I'm trying to... Uh, uh, condition you so that when you hear ah, you think of something annoying and I want that something to be Hillary Clinton. But uh, right now if I had to put money if I were forced to put money I don't have on the presidential race I would uh, you know if I were a government bureaucrat and I were betting your money uh, which they spend every day I would bet on Hillary Clinton. I think as of this moment, she has the best chance of everybody of being the next president of the United States. Not by a lot, maybe. And maybe I'm wrong. First time for everything. But I said that years ago. I have never said otherwise. I have have no reason at this moment to be dissuaded of it. Uh, I happen to be indulging myself for only the third time, I think, in my lifetime, the support of a candidacy that I don't in my heart and mind and experience, honestly, in that in when I pull the covers up over my head late at night and I think about who I really think is likely to be president, is it likely to win the presidential election? I'm indulging myself right now, at least as of this moment. And and for the uh, the few years I have 
supported Ted Cruz by supporting Ted Cruz. I don't believe for a moment as I sit here that the fate of the universe, such as it is, is, you know, is probably configured such that Ted Cruz becomes the next president of the United States. I desperately want it to be thus. I will do everything I can to render it thus, but I don't in my heart of hearts, and I have never lied to you, and I never will. I mean, I don't in my heart of hearts sit here today and actually, be, you know, if I could bet my car or, uh, you know, as I said, if I had any money to bet and I and I had someone, you know, put a gun to my head and made me bet it, I, w- I would say, no, no, I don't wager. You know, but if I had, if I was forced to bet, I'm not suggesting to you that the person I support is the person I think is most likely to become the next president of the United States. Someone has to dislodge the sitting favorite from that position. And the sitting favorite, since she lost freakishly to Barack Obama, is Hillary Clinton. She has never lost the title of favorite. She may hold it slimly, but she still holds it. That's the only time you'll ever hear the word slim uh, juxtaposed with Hillary Clinton, too, by the way. Oh, yeah, four years ago today, she was ahead. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. Stacy uh, tweeted me and asked, you know, next time you visualize Hillary, try to visualize her coughing her brains out, not at not at the swearing in. And okay, I mean I think that's reasonable. Uh, that's in the context, by the way, of Stacy's a news hound. And today there are in some quarters renewed questions about uh, Clinton's health, based on the fact that she was interrupted, self-interrupted, during a speaking engagement, I think in Iowa. Uh, But wherever she was, she went into a coughing fit. And I mean, not just a fit, but a a fit, a spasm, like medically speaking, apparently. And she couldn't continue, or at least for the moment, I don't know. I don't know yet the details of this. And I will will add to that that she... How do I uh, put this without getting in trouble? Uh, or, or that is to say, without d- divulging a confidence. Uh, I, I am given to understand that the nature and severity of Hillary Clinton's injuries when she fought down go boom about two years ago, she fell in her house. Uh, Well, only a few people were there, and so only a few people know the full truth. 
although there were a few people there. <clears throat> I certainly wasn't, but there were a few people there. You know, top advisors. Anyway, it, the story is told that she fell pretty much the way when you see a in a, in a football game. It happened last week uh, in in one of the playoff games. There was a coach. It was the. Um, it was the defensive coordinator for Denver, I think. And he got he got hit so hard enough that his feet left the ground. You know, and the first thing that came in contact with the with the ground uh was it may have been his back, may have been his backside, may have been his head, combination thereof, but he was okay so far as we all know and thank God he's okay. The story is told in certain circles that when Hillary Clinton fell, she fell uh, from a small step. Think of where one room transitions into another, and there's like a step, like an eight-inch step, and maybe it's carpeted or something. But the story is told that she fell from that step, like caught a heel, uh, and and uh, I'm sorry, did I say catch a hoof? I meant to say catch a heel. And and fell from that step, step onto a marble floor. And the first thing to touch the floor was her head. I mean, she fell like a redwood. Uh, anyway, such as the rumors go. And that uh, her wearing glasses thicker than eight Coke bottles since then, which she uh, won't wear in public, but has uh, rarely been photographed wearing, you know, in private is, is something that she is kind of a carefully guarded secret, but the story is, has circulated. <clears throat> uh, it is said by one or more who were in the room who were right there when it happened that she was uh it was traumatic that she was hospitalized immediately uh and that there that the extent nature of the injuries are at least prospectively uh, f- significantly greater than the public knows now that's <clears throat> pretty much it if i sound like i'm uh trying to Clinton you there, I have to a little bit. So that's that's all I can, certainly all I can make up. <laughs> no, that's all I can tell you based on whatever rumor I may uh, I may have heard. one 888 Now let's get back to, uh, you know, Iowa is just so important again because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not, the kind of candidacy that is supposed to be able, this is not said against Trump. It's just that the political fact is Trump's is not the kind of candidacy that is by conventional standards. Don't, don't forget that 
caveat. Because not, not, not a lot is going according to conventional standard this year, right? But by conventional standard, Trump's is the kind of celebrity-driven. I say that because nobody who's for him, even wildly for him, knows anything about him. You know, so it's it's celebrity. It's celebrity. Uh, one paragraph bio uh, driven. And yes, to be fair, his career, you know, uh, I went, if I were handed uh, $200 million by uh, my parents, I probably couldn't have done as well with it as he has. So it's not like I don't give him any credit for that. But by and large, by conventional standard again, this is not a woman or man who has spent her or his lifetime in politics, and that's how you know them. And finally, you learn they're going to run for president. You get all excited. You know, someone like Newt Gingrich, or and I don't mean Newt in particular. I just mean Newt, guy spent his life in politics, right? Or you have someone else who spent their life in public service. Well, maybe that's old hat. Maybe that's exactly why Donald Trump is doing so well, exactly because he's not. A guy like that. And I suspect that's largely true. But here we are. And there's only one winner. And to win Iowa is different for for some people rather than others. No one's going to be surprised if people stand out in the snow to go caucus for Rand Paul or Chris Christie or Cruz or, uh, you know, because there's, there'd be a deep personal ideological commitment there. But if Donald Trump can win a caucus, that means his, his celebrity factor or whatever it is translates deeply. And if he can do it deeply enough that he can get people to win a caucus in Iowa, it means that it certainly means he can win in other states where you don't have to caucus, where you can mail in a vote or where you can run in, you know, leave the car running, vote and, you know, go back home and eat your soup. So that's why a, a victory by Trump in Iowa would be so much more significant than it might be for some other people who have a long, dedicated roll call of people who have followed them forever for some particular set of principles or reasons or, you know, political uh, uh, associations. Well, there are reports today. uh, I don't think I finished this sentence before, which is not tremendously unusual. There are substantial reports today nationally that former, I know where I got, where I went wrong here. I said, you'd think they're the only communists running Hillary and Sanders and every other Democrat running for anything. You think they're the only communists? Former New York City Mayor Bloomberg, Bloomberg of Bloomberg News, of Bloomberg The Money, of the, he's on the $100 bill, I'm pretty sure. Mayor Bloomberg, who is uh, richer than Donald Trump by a lot, uh, uh, a multi, multi, multi billionaire is said to be prepared to jump into the race under certain circumstances. And he has not made a public statement. The last public statement on record is that he's not running. 
But the only way these reports surface is if he wants them to. 99% of the time, a leak is not a leak. 99% of all leaks are planted, are timed, are choreographed like the Moscow Ballet. And uh, if Bloomberg, if Mike Bloomberg has a story floating, which will be on the cover of every New York City newspaper tomorrow, the cover of tomorrow's New York Times, Daily News, New York Post, all of the, everywhere online right now that covers politics, that Michael Bloomberg, the former uh, communist, I'm sorry, Democrat, mayor of New York City, is uh, considering jumping in and running, is going to be the number one story. Now, here's why that matters to me. Bloomberg is, as I said, a multi-billionaire. And he has spent half of his adult life in politics. Okay, put them together and what do you got? Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. No, you may have bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, but what you've got is political intel. And what I mean by that is, I'm guessing at this moment, Michael Bloomberg knows more from a more reliable source than anyone whether or not Hillary Rotten Clinton is about to be indicted by the United States of America. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. one 888 is so much news connected with the conduct of the primary itself in Iowa in just now a few days. Tick-tock, baby, tick-tock. And then just a few days after that in New Hampshire. You know how quickly this thing, it's not going to be over, but do you know how this thing is going to change? Do you know how this thing is going to change when we sit here eight days from now? I mean, it it really is exciting stuff. Now, w- one of the things I did want to mention today, and I don't know if it's going to make the network news, but it's going to make, it's going to at least make the serious cable news and, you know, and other places that follow politics. Hillary Clinton's plan all along has very understandably, very rationally, relied on a southern firewall. You know what a firewall is, right? It's firewall, it's a firewall, just in, in, a, in a house, a building, like it is in politics. And everyone has a firewall, in theory, at least, okay? The firewall has turned out to be a box of matches in a lot of cases for some people. It's turned out to be kindling for a lot of people. But in theory, you have a firewall, a strategy, which includes a firewall. Hillary Clinton's firewall, which as you must imagine is huge and asbestos like her drawers. (laughs) No, uh, Hillary Clinton's firewall is 
the South. And so her thinking is, if these Yankee, commie troublemakers, you know, drive her into a ditch, into a ditch in a place like Iowa or New Hampshire, it's okay because then they turn south. And Mrs. Clinton's uh, presumptive firewall made up of black voters is going to save her from anything. So the, the thinking of the Clinton campaign and every conventional politician in America has thus far been that nothing can happen to Hillary Clinton unless unless Tubby keeps falling down and hitting her head. <laughs> um, nothing anyone else can do to her anyway can hurt her up north because she has the southern firewall, uh, the composite of which is black voters. Today, in South Carolina, a very popular state representative who is wildly popular with minority voters. I don't know his name. I used to. I just can't recall it at the moment. And you know what? It doesn't matter for the purposes of our discussion. He is African-American. He endorsed Hillary Clinton. Not today. He endorsed Hillary Clinton months and months and months ago. Today, this African-American popular South Carolina politician showed up at a Bernie Sanders rally and rescinded his endorsement of Hillary Clinton and instead, through his support to Bernie Sanders. This is what's known in the business as some smoke emanating from your firewall. And it, you know, doesn't mean at this point everything, but it sure don't mean nothing. I start right now being worthy of you tomorrow at 2. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.